<laughs> so we've been reading through Ezekiel. And if you're following along in the Bible reading, you are well aware that Ezekiel is a tough read. But there's so many good things in Ezekiel. And I challenged you last week to capture the main themes and not get so bogged down in every detail that you miss the main theme that is repeated throughout the book. Ezekiel is prophesying in a difficult time. Israel, uh, their world is in chaos. They have been taken captive uh, by Babylon, the city of Jerusalem, their um, cultural epicenter has fallen, and they are experiencing loss like they have never experienced before. In the end, two-thirds of all of Israel will die, and that third that is remaining will be scattered across the world. It is a difficult season. It is a trying season, and it is a season in which God, the God of Israel, is using Babylon, their enemy, to pour out his fury on his own promised people. And so throughout, there's kind of this consistent explanation that Ezekiel is proclaiming, a consistent why. And that big truth was introduced last week, and we can see it throughout Ezekiel, that God acts to make his glory known to the nations. That God acts to make his glory known to the nations. And so I just wanna read you a few verses and just let you see that throughout Ezekiel. We certainly can't cover all of them. If you've been reading along and paying attention, you realize that just saturates this book. But Ezekiel 29 says this, but I acted for the sake of my name, that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations among whom they lived. Verse 14, but I acted for the sake of my name, that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations in whose sight I had brought them out. Chapter 36, verse 22, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. Chapter 37, verse 28. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel. 38, 23. So I will show my greatness and my holiness and make myself known in the eyes of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. 39, 7. And my holy name I will make known in the midst of of my people Israel, and I will not let my holy name be profaned anymore. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. In chapter 39, verse 28, even as he's revealing himself 
to his people, listen to how he describes the connection to the nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord their God, because I sent them into exile among the nations and then assembled them into their own land. I will leave none of them remaining among the nations anymore. Throughout, there is a consistent explanation to the why behind all that is happening in Ezekiel's day. And it is that God acts to make his glory known to the nations. For the glory of God to the nations. Last week, we focused on the first part of that, the glory of God. And we recognize that when we pursue God's glory, we do not add to his glory. We're not adding to the glory of God. God's glory is absolute. It is anchored into who he is. Rather, we are longing for the revelation of his glory to be known and fulfilled across all of creation. When we pursue the glory of God, we are proclaiming his glory in abiding worship. Abiding meaning this 24-7 unrelenting worship that is due the one true God. It is only found in Christ, we know that. It is found anchored in him, it is our identity and it overflows in this conviction in which that the true revelation of who God is be made known because he is worthy. It is a recognition that overflows into proclamation both privately in our own heart and in our own life and publicly in every conversation and every interaction we have in our life. It is both personal and social. To what end? To what end? To the nations. To the end at which all of creation recognizes the glory of God. See, God's people are called to make Jesus known to all of creation. And before Popper famously wrote that missions exist because worship does not, Ezekiel was laying it down. He was explaining the why. And he was pointing to a God that was bigger than just a people. A God that was bigger than their own nation. See, Ezekiel's proclamation disrupted the common worldview for Israel. See, Israel viewed Yahweh as their God. Oh, sure, other nations had their gods, little g. But Yahweh was our God. It, and they twisted it a little bit and they lowered God to fit them. And there's always a temptation for us to do that. Even for us today to take the God of all of creation and lower him to the God of our culture, to the God of our nation, to the God of our setting as if somehow it is central to us. 
But God is not just the God of Israel, and he is not just a God of a people group or a nation. He does not fit in our map or stay within our borders. See, God is worthy of the worship of all creation. And from the beginning pages of our Old Testament through to the end of Revelation in our New Testament, this message is emphasized throughout. And even Israel, who goes back to Father Abraham, you remember the song, Father Abraham? See, I got some of you to smile. You got it. That's the closest I'm ever gonna come to like leading song in worship. That's as close as you get, right? Even when it goes back to Abraham, remember Abraham is promised that his descendants would be a blessing to all people. In other words, watch. The nation, the people that God promised Abraham in its very beginning, in its foundation, in its declaration, existed for the glory of God to the nations. It was never just about them. It was a way in which God was going to reveal himself and his glory to all of creation. And yet, God is unknown and unrecognized. His glory is not revealed to all of creation. And in that, we see missions. See, missions is an expression of worship for us in this season. It's how we go about the worship the glory of God proclaimed to all of creation. See, our worship will endure for eternity because our worship is anchored in the absolute reality of who God is. Our worship will be unending, but our mission will one day be fulfilled. When? when all of creation recognizes the glory of God. See, that is the fulfillment, that is the goal of mission, that all of creation recognize the glory of God. Said another way, that all of creation worship him in the fullness of who he is. This is why we do mission. And this is the why that is given throughout the pages of Ezekiel. This is what he's proclaiming, even in their suffering, even in their hardship, when he goes back to Egypt and he documents their delivery, and now when he is documenting their exile, all of it, God working all these things together for good, his glory to be made known to the nations. So that's the why, but I want us to take a little bit of time and chase how. I just wanna chase a how. One of Tri-Cities Baptist Church's core practices is go make disciples. We pursue this 
We steward this calling. It is a practice in which we are set apart for as the church. But how do we do that? How do we worship in such a way that our worship is magnified throughout all of creation? What does that look like for us? And quick rabbit, I, I gotta tell you, these, I love that we preach through the Bible in this survey format every five years that it allows us as a church to read through the scriptures together. Every time we do this, there's such, um, uh, such feedback from you, our people, of just person after person who's reading through the Bible for the first time. So thankful for that. As a teacher, I wanna make a confession. I don't like it. It's really hard to teach the book of Ezekiel in 30 minutes. It's just tough, all right? And what it forces you to do is just kind of hit these surveys, and when you do that, you don't show your work. And like any math teacher, if you guys remember math, you don't just get to write down the answer. You have to show your work because that's important because that's understanding how you get there. In scripture, we recognize that's good hermeneutics. We show how we elevate the text and we allow scripture to interpret scripture. And in these settings, that gets tested. And as a teacher, it drives me crazy. I don't like it. And over the next few moments, we're gonna look really at the whole charge of scripture as it relates to missions. But I wanna give you a text you can go back to something you can study, something you can refer to this week that just guides what we're about to talk about just in a very simple exegetical flow. And so to do that, we're gonna have to kind of jump out of Ezekiel. We're gonna chase this principle into application, but I wanna ask you to go with me to Psalm 96. Some of you will remember a couple of years ago, I even used this outline as we were preaching through Psalms. Now, I can't remember what I said yesterday, so I don't expect many of you to remember it from two years ago, but if you do, we're just gonna say repetition is a good thing, all right? Psalm 96, verse one. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all gods of the people are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nation the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. 
Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in faithfulness. Notice making God known is an act of worship. It is an act of worship. Missions is not just some mandate, some goal-oriented thing to achieve something. Missions is an overflow of worship. Verse one and two, sing to God. Then verse three, declare to the peoples. Making God known is an expression of worship and it cannot be hidden. See, this is what happens with Andrew. Jesus appears before Andrew, and if you remember, Andrew immediately runs to Peter and says, hey, Peter, Peter, I think we found the Messiah. Listen, there's nothing hedged in Andrew's proclamation. He's not wondering if Peter will think he's crazy. He's, not, he's just excited because he has experienced and seen the Messiah the son of God, and so he proclaims. It's very similar to what Peter and John do as they are questioned in Acts chapter four and respond. We can't help but speak of what we have seen and heard. What had they seen and what had they heard? They had seen the resurrected Christ, the very son of God come back from the dead. They had seen as Thomas touched his pierced body. They couldn't help it. It was the recognition of who he is. And so listen, because I want this to be convicting to us. When our worship is weak, our mission is weak. When our worship is weak, our missions is weak. Some of you myself included, hide the gospel. We don't share the gospel near like we should, and we know that. And we think somehow in this, it's a mission problem. Let us be honest as we look at the pages of scripture. It is a worship problem. It is a recognition of who God is problem. See, making God known is not a chore. We don't save people. We worship God and we proclaim who he is. And the spirit of God does his work. And he does that work through our worship. That is the proclamation of who he is. And so missions is not the goal of the church. Worship is the goal of the church and missions exist because worship doesn't. And that quote's been made famous since the 90s when it first was made, but it is really a declaration that goes throughout church history all the way back into the pages of scripture. And so if you feel defeated and tired because you see evangelism as a burden, it's because you're trying to save people. You're trying to influence and convince them. 
may I just call you to worship, to just worship both privately and publicly to the ends of the world, to all of creation, to the nations. May they hear the joy you find in Christ, in the words and the actions that you carry out. And so a few key aspects of this that we see right here in Psalm 96. I wanna break these down for you. And again, these are really practical. You can go back and you can find all these clear, clearly prescribed in Psalm 96, but you'll see them throughout the pages of scripture and you'll chase these very principles back to what we've been talking about in Ezekiel. First, make God known daily. The psalmist says, tell of his salvation from day to day. Notice, making God known is a daily expression of worship. That's that abiding worship we've been talking about. That the glory of God is expressed from us constantly, 24-7. It's not something you just work up to. It is constant. This is why Romans 12 talks about our life is a living sacrifice of worship. Tell of his salvation day today. How often do we share the gospel? How often do we tell of his salvation? How much should we do this day to day? It should be an overflow of our recognition of who God is. Notice what the psalmist does not say. There is no make sure you don't offend them. There is no make sure you build a relationship for years first. There is no make sure you're a professional and you get every word and every detail just right. No, it is just tell of his salvation from day to day. May your worship be on display for all of creation. See, these excuses that we come up with, they make missions about people. But scripture makes it clear, our mission is about worship. See, God acts for the sake of his name to the nations. And we're losing sight of this more and more as the church and I mean that the church is watering down what it means to worship God to the nations. Barna is going to release some research this week on missions. And it's kind of been teased out to some different groups. And one of the things that he's going to acknowledge in the research of churches across America is this reality that over and above evangelism and discipleship, meaning on a list of things, Above evangelism and above discipleship, nearly half of church-going young adults say they want missionaries to save lives. In other words, the most important thing that young adults acknowledge in missions is they serve the vulnerable that saves lives. This is champion above evangelism. This is champion above make discipleships. And it doesn't have to be an either or, but I will tell you, evangelism and discipleship that it holds up the glory of God is the foundation for missions. And so second, we make God known boldly. The psalmist says, declare his glory 
among the nations. He is to be feared above all gods. Listen to how bold this statement is. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. Say to the nation, the Lord reigns. He will judge the world. I mean, think about what a bold statement that is. The God that you believe in is a worthless idol. That's bold. That's confrontational. But if you believe God is worthy of worship, of all of creation, he is worthy of our bold proclamation. And so notice, there is this declare, in other words, proclaim, there is only one God, he reigns, fear him. I, I think of Stephen in that, when Stephen is speaking to the council and his life hangs in the balance. Stephen is not thinking about strategy in that moment. Instead, Stephen is proclaiming boldly the reality of who God is. And so listen in Acts 7, 55, the parallel. He, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Third, we make God known impartially. The psalmist says, all the earth, among the nations, all the peoples, families of the people, the world, the qualifier in verse 10, with equity, with equity. This was hard for Israel in Ezekiel's day. Again, God was their God, not the nation's God. He's our God. And I don't know that they really thought enough about it, but I certainly know that in their mind there was a discrimination. And I'll give you a term, it's called gospel discrimination. It simply means this, the unjust categorical treatment of people that excuses the believer from making God known. And gospel discrimination robs God of the worship he is due. It robs him of the worship he is due. And we do this in a few ways. First, there's intentional gospel discrimination, which is the purposeful withholding a gospel advancement due to some categorical treatment of people. I don't like them. I'm not sharing the gospel with them. That one is more rare. I'm just gonna own it. That's just a blatant sin. We see that. And man, I hope that there's no one at Tri-Cities Baptist Church who is in the word who would blatantly and intentionally discriminate the gospel based on another person. It is evil and it is sinful. But there is an unintentional gospel discrimination in which we mistakenly withhold gospel advancement due to some an often well-meant categorical treatment of people. Let me give you a few kind of subheadings to break it down. First, those who are unfamiliar, they're not in my tribe. They're not in my circle. It's somebody else's responsibility. See, the psalmist doesn't know all the people. You know, he gets that, I mean, as you go through there and you talk about the nations and go, the psalmist doesn't know all of them. All of those people are not in his circle. And so the reality is going is a part of worship. 
Our worship compels us to go, to expand our circle, to proclaim to all of creation past our trial. And when we do not go, we discriminate those who are unfamiliar, those who are not in our tribe. Second, we, we discriminate against, uh, against those who are familiar, those who are in our tribe or close to us. The psalmist doesn't exclude his own. In fact, he says day by day, demanding that making God known is a present tense act, constantly lived out. It's all the time. And sometimes what we tend to do, and this is especially true for young people, listen, we set our heart on this grand thing, the big thing, and we miss the opportunity that is in front of us today. There is a responsibility for us to live out our abiding worship that is on display day in and day out. That means to those who are familiar to us, those who are in my tribe or close to me. Third, there is this agenda or strategy that can often lead us to unintentional discrimination. That, that's not my area, that's not my specialty, that's not my passion or my zeal, that's not my ministry, that's not the unreached people group I'm focused on. And so our strategy, which leads us to focus and cooperation and healthy stewardship can often become the very thing that leads us to discriminate the gospel. The kids leader might say, well, I only make known to the kids. That's my area. The student leader, well, I only focus on the students. The inner city, I only make known to the poor in the city. The missionary, this is my unreached people group and the focus of mine, and that's where I'm at. The mom who says, well, it's just my family. To the church planner who says, no, it's just my city. See, there is a temptation for us in our strategies to so focus that we begin to lower the cooperative mission, to understand that we are called to worship without discrimination. I serve with a mission organization called Youth Ministry International. And um, the truth is a lot of people don't even know that I do that. I've been doing that for 15 years or more. Uh, and I don't talk a lot about it because I don't want you to just think as because it's my thing, it's our thing. But I will tell you in my passion, this is what I believe, if the Great Commission is going to be fulfilled in the 21st century, it's gonna be a youth movement. I mean, the world's population, 35% of them are under the age of 20. In the most uh, growing countries in the world, they're young. India, for example, has 330 million teenagers. That's the entire population of the US. In Nigeria, which is projected to be the third largest country by 2030, 62% of their population is college age or younger. With YMI, we work and we have formally trained over 3,000 leaders formally that serve in, past, uh, in pastoral roles, church planning roles, denomination leaders, 30,000 leaders informally. We are directly connected with over 12,000 churches thousands more through other denominations and connections beyond that. We serve thousands of people. And we've seen over half a million 
young people come to know Jesus and celebrate in baptism in the last few years. Her dollars spent, it's one of the most efficient ministries I know of. Listen, I believe in it. I'm passionate about it. But I wanna make sure you understand something. The mission is bigger than my thing. My thing's just such a small piece. The mission is the glory of God to all of creation. And my thing can never excuse me from the worship he is due. And so while strategies are good and they help us focus and they help us cooperate with one another and they help us steward resources, they can never lead us to discrimination. At Tri-Cities Baptist Church, we hold up five go pursuits that help us align our strategy. We send disciples, we serve the vulnerable, we train leaders, we reach the unreached, we plant churches. It's an emphasis, but it never should discriminate the advancement of the gospel and the glory of God to the nations. Paul said, I am all things to all people, not my people, all people. And it is driven by a heart to worship. It's hard to get our mind around these things. It is a difficult thing and our cultures always shift and the strengths and weaknesses of those shifting cultures create different blind spots for us. I mean, years ago, missions was really aimed at this great cooperative effort for the biggest impact by professionals who trained and dedicated their lives to this. And I can remember, even as a young child, man, missions was called to the world. The world. How do you get your arms around that? That's huge. And missionaries, all of them wore capes. They're like superheroes. And then there was a movement to bring missions back to the average Joe, to get out of just an assembly line model, to let the average person understand and connect to the end result. And so there were so many more short-term trips and we kind of lowered some of the standards and we lowered some of uh, just the prerequisites to get to the field. And then we began to figure out, you know what? We can classify the nations. And so we began to focus on unreached people groups and the tongues of the world and we could count them. And as we did this, it became something we could get our arms around. And it's becoming more and more personalized. You can do your thing and be in missions. And listen, my point is, there's not a right strategy in this. But they all have a strengths and weaknesses that are connected back to us as the church. But underneath it all, is the mandate that the glory of God should reach the nations in all of creation. Fourth way we discriminate real quickly, traditions and culture. The New Testament battles over gospel discrimination through traditions and culture. Constantly, we see this play out in our New Testament. It is the idea that we do not want to give up our preferences, our way about which we worship. 
And so our mission becomes Jesus plus that thing. And our aim no longer focuses on the glory of God to be revealed to the nations, but it becomes to create people like us. And what a temptation that is for us. Fifth, we can discriminate through competency and personality. We discriminate against those we decide will not accept Jesus. We say before we ever speak that they will not understand. They don't want to hear. They'll be offended. They don't like me anyway. See, to make God known impartially, we proclaim his glory to all of creation. And we have to overcome our gospel discrimination. One final point as the team comes up, we make God known fearfully. The psalmist says he is to be feared. Glory, do his name. The psalmist says tremble before him. The Lord reigns, he will judge. We know the end of the story. The end of the story Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And in that moment, missions is fulfilled. But we long for it as God's people. We seek it as his people. Again, like the model prayer we have from Jesus, that is why we cry out, your kingdom come, your will be done. We long for the glory of our Savior to be on display in our heart and in every conversation that would be exalted to all of creation around the world. And so worship leads us to mission. And ultimately, it will be fulfilled and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But there is also the reality to be known that for many, that day will be too late. The glory that they will proclaim to God will be in their destruction and in their separation. And it is the love of God that compels us to love his image bearers and his people. And so church, here's what I wanna ask you to do. We're gonna sing some songs that turn our attention and our mind toward gospel proclamation, toward worship, that is aimed at the glory of God to the nations. And as you sing, I just wanna ask you to wrestle with worship that overflows into proclamation. I want you to ask, where, where does my worship need to shine? Where will I go? And where will I worship the glory of God and proclaim the truth of who he is? It might be home to a family member. 
It might be next door to a neighbor. And it might mean to the far corners of the world, to a distant people and a foreign nation. But church, he is worthy of our worship. Would you stand?